And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you're in a place where you haven't been baptized yet and you're a follower of Jesus, to, to do that. Number five, baptism's not private. Because your relationship with Jesus isn't private. Your submission to the authority of Jesus is not private. And has ramifications on every area of your life. It's about declaring to the world that this good news about Jesus is true and it's changing you and it's for everyone. It's about fully identifying with Jesus and fully identifying with his body, the church. You cannot do it alone. It's not something you do at home in your bathtub, you understand. This is something we celebrate together as the people of God. And, and the other thing I want to say, you know, not only is it not private for you, but it's important for us as the church to celebrate with you. I, you know, sometimes we, we talk about that. I talk to people, they were like, I'm too shy. I, I don't want to get up front. And I, I understand all that. What I want to say is don't rob, don't rob the church of the beautiful celebration that we want to have for you and with you and the work that God is doing in your life as you're baptized in this community. Don't, don't rob us of that. So baptism, it's not private, it's public. And it's something that we all can take part in. All right, we're going to move to questions and comments, things you might have to say. I don't know who's going to walk around with that microphone, Jack. But just as we wrap up, baptism is the way, the biblical way that we come under the authority of Jesus, placing ourselves at his service to do what he's asked us to do. It's our way of saying, yes, Jesus we love you, we believe in you, and we want to follow you. So what kind of questions or comments uh, do you have? Tom, I just wanted to say thank you. That's a great message. And I went 10 years without being baptized. And it's the first thing we're supposed to do is baptism. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I was one of those guys that said, oh, I don't want to do it in a public forum because it's a great, you know, we, we grew up, Janice and I grew up in a big, big church where, you know, there's, 4,000 people watching you get baptized. So that wasn't my point either. But when we moved to Creston, I got baptized right away and uh, got involved with some people that uh, that showed me those scriptures that you brought up today. And, and the household of Stephen was, was baptized, you know, in one day, right? So, so that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just accept that Christ died for us and get baptized. So thank you for your message. Thanks, thanks Bill. Anyone else? Mike. Well, I think you nailed it at the end there where you were talking specifically about, um, like, we get to do this. And uh, the word trumpet kept popping up. And it's like, baptism is just this trumpeting. You know, it's not a thing you have to do. It's, a, it's like, I get, I get to blow on this trumpet and go, whew, this is done. I'm done. I'm gone. And it just points to God. It points to your direction and change. And um, certainly nothing you have to do. And very briefly, I was, I think I have a pretty common testimony. I was um, raised Catholic, baptized as an infant, and came to the Lord quite suddenly uh, when I was 29 and felt, I'm good. I'm, I'm so filled with God's love. I'm good. I know I'm good because I, I knew it and I did know that. But sure enough, about a year later, I just happened to be in an Easter service in another church that wasn't even my home church. And you know, the Lord blessed me with this, with this bizarre vision of me um, standing over him it's pretty, I apologize this a bit, but I was boot-kicking him in the head. And he was looking at me with these pitying eyes, at me with pity, not the other way around. And it just ruined me, and I just kind of, again, that trumpet, I need to tell the world and myself I'm sold for him. Because he just reminded me of what he did for me. It was just amazing. So, there it is. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Anyone else, questions or comments? 
You can disagree with me too, you know. Or, you know, ask a pointed question. Anyone? Ruth. I agree that baptism should be <clears throat> public, but your illustration today was not public of uh, the youth, the, um, eunuch. You know, right. he stopped and he baptized. So sometimes there's obviously um, exceptions to the rule. Oh, oh, absolutely. Now, I, I want you to ask yourself, though, would a high court official of a foreign country traveling back from Rome be alone? He wouldn't be alone. In fact, he probably had an entourage of people connected to the court. So he would have been baptized publicly in that sense. But you're right, there are exceptions. And certainly in the book of Acts and other stories, there are exceptions. I think what we, what we look for is kind of what's the general practice. Um, recognizing that there absolutely are exceptions. And we don't want to be legalistic about that. Absolutely. Are there anyone else? Ron. I, I think we can be uh, baptized for the wrong reason. When I was young, I got baptized just for the fact to get my parents off my back and stuff like that. Yeah. But as I got more in to God and got to know him, I got baptized for him and because I loved him. That's right, Ron. Thank you for that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And Berwin up here. Thanks, Cameron. <laughs> Tom, um, for those people that were baptized as, as infants, yeah. where, do you, yep. where do you fit in? Where absolutely. do you fit in this whole... Yeah. whole uh, Thank you, Berwin. Thank you for that. So baptism, I'm going to give you a little bit, and this will be new to some of you, I think. As a covenant church, we embrace and uphold all forms of Christian baptism, from infant to ancient. So we, if, if it's a Christian baptism, and that means really anything baptizing you into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that's Catholic, Protestant, any... Uh, Orthodox, any Christian baptism uh, for the covenant that is that is embraced as as real and true baptism. Okay, we do recognize that due to some people's personal stories, some people will choose to be rebaptized because of their own journey and story. But the important thing to note is you don't have to be. There's not a pressure to do that. So we we embrace that. Many covenant churches practice infant baptism. There hasn't been a lot of infant baptism here. There's been some. not been a lot. It's been mostly believers' baptism here or people who are a little bit older and understand what they're doing. And we practice more baby dedications here. But that's not true across the board. At the Erickson Covenant Church, babies have definitely been, infants have definitely been baptized. Um, and I know for some of you that's uncomfortable. I recognize that. For some of you... Uh, Embracing or acknowledging other baptisms, uh, infant baptism and other forms of baptism, sprinkling or pouring, is uncomfortable to you and it's a struggle for you. Uh, and for others of you, it's like a relief. Uh, and, and so we come from a lot of different backgrounds. The Covenant Church is a very big umbrella church. This is true of us here at Erickson. This is true of us as a family of churches. And um, the important thing, and the reason why the Covenant has taken that stand, is that the church has often divided in fellowship over baptism, over the particulars of baptism. And people have actually said, you know, you're not a Christian or I can't fellowship with you. Or they've, they've actually drawn the dividing line in how a person was baptized. Modes of baptism, 
uh, when you were baptized. And the covenant church has just said, we don't believe that that is something Jesus would want us to divide over. And so we're free to hold your own theological view, but to recognize that in the spirit of unity, we embrace one another as brothers and sisters, and we acknowledge each other's baptism in Christ. So I know that's probably a more fuller answer than you were looking for, but that's, 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 that's where we land as a, as a covenant church. Yeah. Steph. So what if, say, there was 10 people right now that wanted to be baptized? Um, do we line up and have water poured on our heads, or do we run down to the swimming pool? Because I'm going to be honest, I'm one of those ones that nobody told me I had to be baptized when I became a Christian. Yeah. And then you enter Bible school and you go, oh, this is, you know, I want to follow the Lord. And still nobody <laughs> tells you. And then all of a sudden you're really embarrassed that right. you aren't. And I've told you this. Yes. And I was supposed to be baptized there a, few, a couple of months ago and I got really sick. So, but, so what if yeah. I want to do it right now? Or somebody else wants to do it right now? Let's just put it this way. We can do it. We can do anything we want to in that department. I, I think what I would say is we, we love to have a bit more, like we love to prepare a little bit for celebration. We usually have a big cake. We usually, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I do like to have a conversation with people. Now you, Steph and I, obviously you were all prepped to be baptized as it were. I do like to have a conversation or two with people to find out where they're at. How, having said that, if people confess Jesus as Lord, we baptize them. And what we've typically done here is we, 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 uh, we've used a tank, but we could pour a sprinkle. That's, that's true. I know you're trying to put me on the spot. If there were 10 of you right now, let's just say this way. I, I'd be happy to baptize you. But I'd rather plan for it. I'd rather us plan for it so that we can both you and invite your family to be part of it. Because, like, for example, there might be a youth who's here that says, and there are several youth back there who are interested in being baptized. I want them to be part of it, but I wouldn't do that without talking to their family first, for example. And so, uh, and then another uh, part of being baptized, and I know this has really been true of, of previous baptism, I think of the Golder uh, family when they were baptized, the opportunity they had to invite significant friends and family into the event. So I'm not opposed to baptism on the spot, but I think it's nice to be able to invite others and to celebrate it more fully. That would be my response. Yeah, that's right. Bill has another one, Cameron. I was so convicted I actually took... Uh, the, I was so convicted I actually talked to my um, my friends there at the table after church. We were all there. And they said, what are you doing then? Let's go to the river. And it was uh, March 9th. And it was, um, yeah. And we were we were baptizing me in, yeah, March 9th. It was really, really cold down at the <laughs> Kootenai River. We went down the ferry landing and did that. Wonderful. And last night, this was very strange, but last night we were watching some old videos. And a very good friend of mine uh, decided to change his life. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to, decided to change his life, and he actually went to um, a local pastor and said, I want to be baptized. I baptized him three days later, but the, just because of the timing. But, yeah, it, was, it wasn't public. 
was it was more public for his friends, and we were invited. But yeah, it was three days of like non-preparation. We just went down and again to the Kootenay River, and it was June, so it was a little warmer. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, I think I remember baptizing your son, and it was not March. But man, that water was cold. We've got beautiful pictures to prove it as he comes up out of the water, breathless. Because <laughs> the goat's pretty cold, no matter, you know, if it's earlier in the year. Yes. Oh, uh, Cameron. Microphone. Thank you. What, what I'm wondering about is, I see in Scripture that it shows full immersion. So why at this point would you offer to sprinkle or splash if Scripture is clear that it's full immersion, even though I understand the acceptance of past for unity's sake or whatever. So why would you not just promote full immersion at yeah. this point? Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, we tip, I mean, shouldn't say typically, it, my practice has typically been immersion, but I recognize a couple things. One is, there's honest, and I'm not pushing back hard here, but there's honest debate over the, the, the way we understand whether that means literal water immersion. Yes, there is. There's very strong debate. Oh, yeah. Probably Jesus was, yeah. Yeah, probably Jesus was, yeah. But I'm just saying it's not like it's... We're we're not given that clear of instruction. We're told they were baptized. We're not given clear instruction of how to baptize. Now, the early church had clear instruction, um, and the early, early Christians practiced a lot of different ways of baptizing, depending on their communities. Um, what we would recognize would be that uh, there's, there's some openness in how it's done. There's been openness in how it's done for pretty much 2,000 years. And so we've done immersion mostly, but there's an openness in how it's practiced. And we want to allow for that openness, allow for that even difference of theological opinion or difference of practice. We want to we allow for that as both Christian freedom, but also recognizing that there are far, far smarter people than me who really disagree on this and have said, we sprinkle, we, we immerse, we uh, pour, uh, we in, infants, adults only, you know, all that kind of thing, that there's, there's difference, genuine difference of opinion among spirit-filled, mature Christians. What about so, repent and be baptized? A baby can't repent. Like, maybe this isn't the place, but... No, that's good. Good question. No, this is good. This is great. Yeah. So, absolutely. Right. So, what we would say, or what I would say to that is, that, I mean, that call was to that group of thousands of people that were gathered, who were hearing. I mean, they were shortly following the death and resurrection of Jesus, and they were at this place where they were realizing, we are in trouble. Like we are culpable for the death of Jesus. What do we do? And they are called to repent and be baptized. Other contexts, like for example, what we heard with um, the Ethiopian eunuch, other stories in Acts. And Acts is a bit tricky because what we see in Acts is the story as it happens. We aren't, aren't told necessarily that that's the pattern we have to follow. Some groups have said that's the pattern to follow. Other groups have said, well, it's, it's what happened, but there's differences in how it worked. And so we, we have that example. We have the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. We have the example of the, the Philippian jailer and his entire household being baptized, which would mean, um, we, we think household, we think mom, dad, two kids, but uh, that would mean slaves and servants and 
you know, householders. So it was a larger group, but it seems to be inclusive of kids. So we have a, we have different examples. Um, and we, we recognize that that's how it was happening. The other thing we do recognize is that, um, the Bible, as we receive it, was written in, mostly in the first generation. Maybe second generation, Gospel of John, second generation, but was written mostly to a first generation of Christians. And it was Christians later who began to say, well, our, our child has been raised in the covenant, in faith. This is what they've grown up knowing. And, and it's not like they've come to a place where they've necessarily, I mean, they make personal decisions of faith to follow Jesus, obviously, but uh, it's not like um, there's a recognition that they were way out there and now they're coming. They've been raised there, they've been part of it. And that's how the practice of infant baptism grew up was that they were already in the faith, as it were. And so baptism marked the child, because it's, we're saved by grace anyway, marked the child as being included in the covenant, and then was raised in the covenant. And that's how uh, some churches have practiced um, confirmation. And so that they're, they're taught, they're baptized, and then they're taught as they grow up, and sometimes they have a formal you know, class catechism around that, to, to learn what it means that they're part of the family of God, what it means that they have been baptized into Christ. So there's been a lot of different practices on that and even different uh, models and examples that have been used from Scripture. But thank you for that. And I know that you're not the only one who asked that, who had that question. So I appreciate you raising it. And um, I'm I'm wanting this morning to represent um, accurately, I believe, what we what we hold as a church so that you're not you're not thinking one thing when it's actually another. Um, But also to recognize that uh, what we're saying is uh, we have been included in the life of God however the baptisms happened. And we as the people of God want to follow Jesus into his purpose for us. I'll, I'll just wrap it up real quick as we, as we finish. I know um, that we're, we're, we're out of time, but I want to ask what this means for us as a church. I think when it gets right down to it, we talked a lot about baptism today and for some of us, uh, for you personally, the decision today might be, well, I need to be baptized. I really encourage you to consider that, talk to me about it, and we'll, we'll move on from there. But how does that apply across the board to us? I think it comes down to this, that in order to make disciples, we need to be radically including others, first into our lives, and ultimately into the life of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that we need to begin being radical includers to those who are far, far away by opening up our lives in hospitality, by reaching out in care, by respecting people who are from vastly different places in life, different traditions, different religions, different perspectives. As people are able to or ready to, including them in the teaching of Jesus, maybe inviting them to Alpha or a small group of yours, being willing to engage questions that people have without getting all defensive to include people in the purpose and the vision that God has for us as a community that loves the world. I think as we finish today, the challenge for us is to ask, who am I going to include? How will you become, how will I become a radical includer? Uh, Who are you going to include in friendship? Or maybe, more painfully, who are you going to include in your friendship circle? You know that friendship circle I'm talking about? The one that is so safe for you? The one where you really feel like you're a part? 
the one where you feel like I finally got this group of friends that loves me and care for me and I, I don't really want to crack it up. I, I don't really want to include someone else into it. And in fact, we can even become an exclusive community. Are you going to be the kind of radical and inclusive person that invites people in to even that friendship circle? I think that's the challenge that we have for us. Because when we can capture a vision of what Jesus longs to see happen in the lives of the men and the women and the boys and the girls, the plumbers, the farmers, the homemakers, the retirees, when we get a vision for what God longs to see happen in their life, to, to see them included, these are the people he has loved. These are the people that he sent his son to rescue and to woo back. When we begin to get a glimpse of his desire and his vision for the people that you and I work with, you and I visit with, you and I go to school with, we get a vision for that in our hearts, then we can begin to make disciples by radically including others in the life that God has given us and the life that God longs to give to them. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are thankful that you included us. You came after us. You welcomed us in. You forgave us of our sin, and you invited us to the table. And by your Holy Spirit, we can walk now with freedom and with grace, including others, those far away and those near, into your life and into our lives. I pray that your blessing and your encouragement and your grace would rest upon us. For those who are here this morning that are feeling particularly challenged, maybe those who are wrestling with baptism, I just pray that there would not be any uh, shame or condemnation or struggle there, but rather that we would hear your invitation to just come, to, to be part of what you are doing, to take that step of obedience and faith. For those of us who may be wrestling with um, just some different ideas this morning, I just pray that each one of us together, in the spirit of grace and unity, would be able to be your people, including others. I ask that we, as the Erickson Covenant Church, would be that kind of community, your kingdom kind of community. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who has so radically included us. Amen.